Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. You're listening to myself, Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune Live. That's not the right tone of voice. you got to be screaming after that game. You have to be angry or giddy or just crazed. Giddily angry, angrily giddy. Yeah, angrily Any of giddy. these will just suffice. Start ranting. You know what I am? I'm numb. I'm numb to these endings. I'm numb to the constant. Mike Zimmer came into that press conference afterward and said, another fun Sunday because you could tell the anxiety that was dripping <laughs> dripping from his forehead. I don't we share that. The TV ratings up, he said. I don't share that anxiety because even when they were up 29 nothing, Ben, you and I, all of us, were looking at each other in the press box saying, this lead's not safe. As soon as Kirk threw the pick in the second half, we're thinking, oh, here, here we go again, right, Ben? Yeah, we were thinking that. Mike Zimmer said he was thinking that. Uh, I'm sure the entire fan base was thinking that. And, uh, hey, they all count the same, I, I guess. A win's a win. Yeah, they hold on. Something. They, no, it's not. <laughs> it was, that was a that, – uh, what, what words can I use on a, on a newspaper podcast? Uh, I, I can't – okay, I can't use the words I want to use, so I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> it was – I, as I wrote after the game, they are closer to a playoff spot than they are to the types of decisions they would have had to make tomorrow if you lose that game. But boy, oh boy, if if they in the same week lose to the winless Lions and then come home and blow what I think Fox Flash during the game would have been the biggest blown lead in a regular season game in NFL history, I don't know how – the Wilfs would have watched those two games in the same week and not done something. Yeah, and Jim, is there a game that's better emblematic, I guess, of their entire season in terms of one half, you see the potential, you see them getting after Roethlisberger, you see Cook running wild, and then the next half it's the corners getting beat and Kirk turning the ball over. And that's the thing. It, it, it wouldn't have been just blowing a 29-point lead. Because we all know there are fluke plays in the NFL and there are trends and there are teams getting hot at different times. This was building a 29-point lead late in the third quarter by physically demolishing your opponent, running through them, running over them, not uh, not allowing them to function on offense, dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides. I mean, that was, that was not a – it should have been like, what, about 40 to nothing. I mean, 29 yeah. nothing was like the smallest lead they possibly could have built to that point. That's with a bunch of field goals. And in they almost blew it. It's, it's, it's pathetic, really. And it's, it, they, I mean, and that was what my column's about is, I mean, how do you write about it? What do you say about this? It was absolutely a pathetic performance, and they won. And they're in the playoff race. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the first half, they kicked a field goal on the one where Cousins ended up making like a 65-yard throw to the back of the end zone. I mean, a ridiculous throw. Beyond two defenders, Jefferson can't come down with it. They kick a field goal there. Uh, they had one where Cousins hit Jefferson in the hands in the end zone as he got drilled. There were a couple other – I mean, there were a lot of balls that went off Jefferson's hands tonight. But, yeah, if a couple of those come down, you're talking probably gets to 36 nothing or so. 36, something in there. Yeah, I mean, you're – 37, whatever. Yeah, you're, you're – pushing it even further out of reach. And, I mean, Dalvin Cook, at halftime, he had more yards in the first half than any running back in NFL history, or not NFL history, in Vikings history. Uh, breaking Adrian Peterson's record was on pace to have more yards in a game than any running back in NFL history, uh, which would have also broken Adrian Peterson's record. They they do that, 
and it still comes down to the final play of the game. And the final play of the game where the opposing receiver, tight end, had the ball in his hands in the end zone. I thought initially that he caught it. I did too. And, and then Harrison Smith second. punched it out. Yeah. But in, in the way Harrison Smith threw his helmet at the end of that, it was, it was, it was the same end zone where Stefan Diggs throws it at the Minneapolis yeah. Miracle, and it seemed like the same Different relief. emotions behind and that. You know, it seemed like the same relief from Harrison of like, we closed this game. Oh, my God, we actually closed the game. Because that impending doom was not just felt by fans and media. It was felt by the players on the field and thinking, here we go again. Harrison had a look on his face after that. What What's the lethal weapon line? I'm getting too old I'm for this ish. I'm getting too old for he, the look on his face said that to me. Look, he's, he's Danny Glover out there saying, yes. Riggs. <laughs> yeah, the look on his face like, I can't do much more of this. I like that. I like that. Um, I, I think, yeah, Dalvin Cook was running wild. He, that 29-yard touchdown, he wasn't even touched. It was a counter run where he just goes off the edge. He had a 40-yarder where he felt like he wasn't touched on that either. Um, all these runs, it just seemed like he was able to pop them off. And <clears throat> Mike Zimmer credited that to you know, just kind of instilling that fight in his offensive line and team. But this Steelers team looked like a team that was coming fresh off a very physical and emotional win against the Ravens. Yep. Um, and the Vikings looked like a team that was coming off an embarrassing uh, loss to the Lions and wanted to prove otherwise. Um, that first half looked like, yeah, the Pittsburgh had no interest in just being here um, for that game. Uh, the second half, though, the way that came undone for that game, it, it to me – showed why Mike Zimmer was so passive in Detroit, the way that they almost blew this game, with how bad their corners were. But Breland intercepts Ben Roethlisberger, has a smile all over his face. That soon dissipates somehow. I don't know if he got hit in the gut or what, because I looked down to the sideline, he's vomiting in a trash can, and Chris Boyd's in the game getting beat downfield. Soon after, taunting James Washington, the guy who had just beaten him, after tackling him for a loss that would have forced a punt, instead it uh, sends the Pittsburgh Steelers into a uh, position to score and really kind of kickstart that comeback. Um, ben, they just don't have any corner depth. Even, even with Bashad Breeland, who came back in the fourth quarter and then gets beat on that Fryermuth touchdown and then gets flagged for DPI on Claypool at the end of the game. Like, it's, if you just throw away from Patrick Peterson like it has been all year, you're going to do pretty well against this Viking. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there's a lot of the second half of that game that I did not see. Um, I, there's a lot of the fourth quarter that I don't see every week because I'm trying to mash out a game story. And in this one, you have the very enjoyable task of filing at 945 uh, for the state edition. So the, the Star Tribune's readers in greater Minnesota will read a very different account of this than was there in the end. But at any rate, I I didn't see in what I saw of the second half – I don't think they threw at Patrick Peterson much at all. There was the one touchdown over him. Um, I believe it was James Washington. And it was, I only remember oh, this because yeah, it was right yes. after I made note of how they weren't throwing at Peterson. And then, boom, they threw at him. But that, you're right. That was like the one. But most of the big plays were Breland or Boyd. I don't think McKenzie Alexander as much. I think he had a couple missed tackles. But it was the the rest of that secondary that they decided to go after and – you see why again and again that people do that. It's just find those other corners, throw at them, and then and go to work there. Yeah, Jim, Mike Zimmer had a line about this defense. I don't know if you caught it afterward that to me said a lot about how he feels about it. He said, I looked out there at one point. We have Michael Pierce, Anthony Barr, Dalvin Tomlinson, Eric Hendricks, and he just goes, and that's what I felt it should look like. 
and basically just saying as if like, these are the guys that like, I feel like I, I envisioned having on my defense. I didn't have them. That's why it was bad. That's why we're now good, basically. And, and They're not good. He, almost not wearing that kind of, we haven't developed any depth on this team, right? Yeah, and by the way, they haven't been good. They just lost to the stinking Lions, and they just almost blew a 29-point lead in to about the team that tied 17 the minutes. To, yeah, I mean, the, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go down the parody road where everybody's kind of mediocre, but, I mean, that's the thing is that this is, a, this is not a good team. They are 6-7. and seven. They're 13-17 and 17 since that New Orleans victory. They almost just blew this lead, and – they get to pretend like they're playoff contenders. You know, mathematically, they're still in it. I just don't believe that this team can go to the playoffs. I just don't believe it. Well, Zimmer had, I think, what ended up probably being the thesis statement of the season afterward. He said in the first half, that looked like a team that could beat anybody. And in the second half, that looked like a team that could get beat by anybody, which I think is pretty much this team. It, it reminds me of, like, if you're looking to buy stock in a company that you say on on its face, boy, this company's in great shape. This is a big business, and I, I definitely want to invest. You're like Blockbuster Video circa 2005 or something. Like, oh, yeah, this is a big company. They're known nationwide. They have all this stuff going. And then you look beneath the surface, and you say, oh, boy, there's a lot that could come up to bite this company in the next few years. I should probably not invest in this. And... It's uh, it, oh, it feels like that where it's like, hey, they're in the playoff race. This could be a playoff team, but you look, you pull back the, uh, you look at the balance sheet a little closer, and it's like, boy, this is not in good shape, and uh, that's kind of where it feels like they are. You can you can dress it up and say this is a competitive team. This is a team that can make a run. This is a team that has the talent to do that. You know, whatever you want to say, but there are equally as many concerns to make you say this is not for real. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think Cooper Rush can beat this team twice in one season. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you started off the podcast by mentioning that we were, you know, this close. If they lose this game, blow a 29 point lead um, to talking about, you know, them potentially have to making quick decisions. Does this just prolong the inevitable after a loss to the Lions? Uh, that's just not, it's not going to go away. Even, even if you win a couple games and try to make a late playoff push. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's you're still in a spot where you have to win three of your last four against two against the Bears, one against the Packers, one against the Rams. So, I mean, I think short of consistency that we have not seen from this team we're going to get there anyway because I, I don't think this group stays or at least Mike Zimmer doesn't stay if they don't go to the playoffs now if they would have lost tonight do they make the switch I I think you certainly could be justified in it there's this new rule that we should keep in mind that teams can start to interview coaching candidates with two weeks left in the regular season if they fire their coach by that point so if they were to be out of it by December 27th, the day after the Rams game. That would be something to keep an eye on. I There's a lot of chatter that we are headed for some type of a reckoning. I think they're going to have to make the playoffs. They may have to even make a little bit of a run to avoid that. But, man, it, you you talk to people and it's it starts to seem more and more and more like some type of a decision is coming. And, and I think 
there's a very good chance after the season without a playoff berth, they're, they're talking about hitting the reset button. I guess that's the interesting part to me is that after a loss like that to Detroit, after what we've seen through Mike Zimmer's in-game management decisions with the roster and, and or just kind of how he's managed it in terms of injuries and all that stuff, um, yeah, is a, is a playoff berth even enough to save it at this point? Like it's eight years, and at that point would be how many playoff berths? It would be four and eight years. But if it depends, I suppose, what they do with it too, right? I mean, if they go in there and get beat, then you're saying keep us around for year nine when we've had two playoff wins in that time. Yeah, because, Jim, as much as you want to say this isn't a playoff team, it could very well be a playoff team in the NFC. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I, I, you know, they, they lose the tiebreaker to the 49ers. Uh, the Eagles and the Washington football team are both pretty competitive right now. There are a bunch of teams – Washington's like the, got a better NFC record. Yeah, and uh, there are a bunch of teams that are sitting there at five wins going into this weekend. They're not good teams, but w- inevitably one or two of them are going to win. I just think the, the numbers are against them. So they could beat the Bears twice. That gets them to eight victories. I don't see them beating the Rams. I don't see them beating the Packers and Lambeau. Uh, as long as that game means something to the Packers, it's going to have to because of seeding. And this team usually doesn't play well in Chicago, and particularly on Monday nights in Chicago. So, I don't know. It's going to be cold. I think it's going to – you know, I thought all along this is a seven or eight victory team. I still think that, and I still don't think that gets them in. If they do get in, then they get – you know, they get to take a big swing at somebody. I I, I just – I don't see a way out of it. I I think that you're going to see uh, either a non-playoff team or a seventh seed that does nothing, and I don't think either of those things saves saves Zimmer. Yeah, the seventh seed thing – gets a lot less impressive when you see what it takes to get it. It reminds me a little bit, too, of some of the wild teams that we watched in the last few years where they'd, they'd be just good enough to go into Denver in the last day of the regular season and they beat the Avalanche like the one year they had to win just to get in, and they did. And and uh, I don't even remember what happened in the playoffs that year, but they, they're the last team in a lot, and maybe they win a series here and there, or maybe they, get, you know, they have a, a cute moment and they lose in six and they could talk about – how hard they fought, but at the end, the Wild got to the point where they said, "Where is any of this going?" And they and the then they got button. rid of Parisian Suter, and everything looks great. So that's yeah. what the Vikings need to do: get rid of their version of Parisian Suter. I'll let you speculate on which those are. <laughs> I think Kirk Cousins, yeah, why? Well, well, Zimmer Spielman, but yeah, Kirk Cousins, I feel like is all part of that reset button, right? And Ben, you and I have talked about before, just kind of his. I think leading into this week, we talked about Kirk's play this year and how. At the very least, it might be a consolation prize that he's upped his trade value. I mean, Jim, what do you think about Kirk's play this year? And tonight seemed to be also an example of just, yeah, the the conundrum of an inaccurate pass and all of a sudden a downfield dart to K.J. Osborne and then an interception. It's just he's all. I just think we should have cut to the chase and the Steelers should have taken Cousins with them. (laughs) (laughs) That may be where we end up, right? He just boards the plane with them. (laughs) Replacing Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger looked like he wanted to quit at halftime. I'm surprised he, he... put up as much as he did in the second half. But uh, we'll have to see how much fight this Vikings team has left in them. We will be previewing the Bears game next, Monday night at Soldier Field. Nothing weird ever happens there, right, Ben? (laughs) Please check it out all out at StarTribune.com, and please download the Access Vikings podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe you should get off the podcast.